innovation is not seen just uh, the job of this one department or of this one team or of this one lab, but more how do we integrate innovation in everything that we do on an everyday basis. Texas Global, sparking innovative thoughts. comes to innovation, there's a lot of talk, as always, about how to leverage it, how to measure it. And then today, with a rapid pace of innovation, there's that challenge. How does a company really uh, innovate to its benefit to the fullest? Sadika, I'm Chawa Ratyong Jeter, owner of Fupei, the global content editor of Texas Media and your host for the Texas Global Podcast today. Today, we're going to dive into the concept of innovating accounting and what it means for the potential growth of companies. We are privileged to have with us Dan Toma, an innovation thought leader and famous author. Uh, his past work includes uh, co-authoring the award-winning book of the corporate startup, uh, which was awarded the Management Book of the Year for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, Uh, by Charter Management Institute and the British Library in 2018 and Innovation Accounting. And he's been involved with tech startups across the world with companies as well, such as um, DNB, Jaguar, uh, Land Rover, uh, Bayer, and Allianz. And uh, he has this very unique thing that I'm curious about as well, and that is uh, being a proponent of the ecosystem approach to innovation. So let's talk to him now, Sadiqa, hello. Hi, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. We're so delighted to have you. Um, first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your work in helping companies? Sure. Um, I pretty much have covered it throughout the intro, so I appreciate that. Uh, the things that I can add on top of that is the fact that my background is actually in engineering. Mm. I am an engineer by trade, electronics and telecommunication. But uh, to be honest with you, my entire life, I've only worked in entrepreneurship, minus a small period of time when I was working with a uh, global telecommunication company. Uh, I started my first company when I was 19, and I've been on entrepreneurial path ever since, to be honest, as I said, minus about three, four years when I was with that company. But uh, that time with the telecommunication company was pivotal for me and my, my development and my work because uh, that's when I started thinking about how do we take startup principles and apply them in a corporate setting, and not only in a corporate setting, but in a setting where we have more than just a founding team. Um, in a setting that involves more people than just a handful that you have in a startup. So you can consider a, a large NGO or you consider a government. So um, at that time, I started writing the, the corporate startup, uh, found my co-authors, and I've been doing, uh, I've been working on that um, as a result of the work I was doing with this telecommunication company. Uh, currently, I'm working in consultancy. I founded a company in London. We are about four years old now. And uh, we help companies around the world become more innovative, uh, basically enable them to grow sustainably by investing in innovation and digital transformation. Uh, the name of the company is Outcome. And people, if they're interested in finding more about us and uh, the amazing work that we've done, um, can look us up under weareoutcome.co. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested to ask a little bit more about what um, you know you mean as being a, a big proponent of the ecosystem approach to innovation. Um, I, I think that's interesting because um, perhaps you're, you're talking about the bigger picture 
than just like um what you know what when you think about innovation it's it's like not something that's superficial but something that really needs to I'm I'm guessing here <laughs> I might be all wrong like integrated into the whole like process of innovating a company is is that what you're talking about it's twofold uh, on the one hand yes you are right we're talking about uh, how do you connect your internal innovation efforts with the outside world how do you develop and co-develop stuff in 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 sync but on the other hand we're also talking about an internal innovation ecosystem where innovation is not seen just uh, the job of this one department or of this one team or of this one lab, but more how do we integrate innovation in everything that we do on an everyday basis? How does legal help with innovation? How does uh, accounting or procurement help with innovation? Uh, What is the impact that innovation has on strategy and vice versa? So essentially connecting and embedding innovation in the fiber of what the company is currently doing, rather than having it as a lot of companies, unfortunately, still do, having it as an island out Mm -hmm. there, maybe Mm -hmm. across the street from the headquarters, or maybe in another city, or maybe in another or another district of, of the of the same city, but anyways, not embedded in the uh, in the um, processes and in general in the game plan, if you want, of the of the company. Innovation is like a, an afterthought, so we're kind of kind of like fighting against that. Try to show people the benefit of having innovation integrated. If, would you say perhaps maybe it's like it's easier that way perhaps you know, to think that okay I'm just going to open up another department <laughs> in exactly, charge of right? innovation <laughs> but then of course COVID and everything kind of I think everyone kind of has to change uh, about that oh and then the, the next question I don't want to get off uh the topic but I, I mean like Talking about companies innovating, that's a very big loaded question. I mean, there's a lot of things that companies can do, but uh, perhaps if you can share like the cream of, you know, what you presented in your your book, as I mentioned before, the, the corporate startup. I mean, what what are the crucial things uh, in, in terms of how companies can innovate? Right. I think the most important bit that leaders in, in companies need to understand is the fact that innovation should not be treated, as I said, like a, a one department. So you have to have a system for innovation. It's very important. Um, and I'm going to highlight here the word system. Uh, mm-hmm. This particular system should be made up of the innovation strategy, should be made up of innovation practice, innovation management, but also leadership and culture. Uh, all these things need to work together. It's, it's very important that these things are... Um, equally developed, equally mature, if you want, and they work together. Just investing all your, uh, let's say, innovation money into developing an amazing strategy is not going to be enough if you don't have the practice capability, if you don't have the management, and if the culture and leadership don't exist. Same goes for culture. You invest all the money in culture, but if there is no strategy, nobody doing innovation, nobody managing innovation, Good luck with that culture ever, you know, growing roots. So um, again, the word that people need to, the the key word that people need to remember here is a system for innovation, not just a punctual solution, a one-time-off solution, like we are collaborating with that startup or we are building that lab or uh, we are investing in 
this just one project, uh, but more how do we think about innovation in, in, in a system way? We think about you know, the core business in a system way, right? We don't, we don't think about just improving the legal department or just improving product management. We are considering how we improve the entire company. Um, let's take the same mindset and apply to innovation. It's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's um a lot of thoughts of 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 what you said. I was thinking a lot of things. You were sparking a lot of um of of what I've heard uh, others say as well. Um and it, and and it feels like yeah. I mean, it's like is it is it right for me to say like perhaps maybe like companies really need to be aware of what they can do, their capabilities in terms of how because like I remember reading on your website, you know, uh, and you saying that there's no one book or one like process that you that fits every company every company is different so you really need to have that ability to be aware of your capability and what you need to do to best innovate for yourself right Mm -hmm. um can you give us some uh case studies that you have worked with you know or worked in uh where you know we can gain more insight yeah, um, again, I, I don't say that I know all the companies in the world were uh, that we worked with all the companies in the world. Uh, but from the amount of companies that we work with, there are definitely some that are really standing out in terms of, uh, you know, um, basically having developed that system of innovation, right? There are great companies out there that do one part of the system very well. And again, Kudos to them. They are amazing. But uh, there are companies that are able to build that system and nurture that. Um, An example that comes to mind uh, very close to my heart, if you want, uh, it's a Norwegian bank. Uh, They are called DMB. People can look them up. Uh, They are the largest bank in Scandinavia. Uh, They are headquartered out of Oslo, Norway. Um, They are probably one of the let's say digital front runners of the of the banking industry i'm not just talking about scandinavia here but i'm talking about europe in general and probably the world obviously there are probably more digital savvy banks in in southeast asia and in particular probably in china or or in japan but for at least for european standards and western europe standards uh they are pretty advanced i i like the fact like when we were working with them helping them build a system I like the fact that uh, leadership really resonated with uh, with the idea of a system. So we worked with the CFO. She later became the uh, the CEO. She's the current CEO of the bank, and um, she resonated with the fact that yes, we need to build a system. And more importantly, she resonated with the fact that um, the speed at which innovation needs to happen within her company needs to match the speed of change outside the company. So we got them to a point where even the innovation strategy was being approached differently. To give you an example, we were um, essentially doing strategy as um, product development. So we were doing strategy as cycles of of feedback loops. We were starting with with a very clear innovation strategy. Then we were starting investing in internal and external ideas based on that strategy and that for the next six to eight months, those ideas were closely managed. And Mm -hmm. if there was one that was not working, we were not necessarily blaming it on the people working on the idea, but more considering that as evidence, 
that the market is not heading in that direction. So mm. essentially the topic that the idea was, uh, was on was then moved to the what we were calling the antithesis, meaning that we are not going to invest in this for the next planning period, which was again, six to eight months. It was pretty amazing to see an organization the size of a bank. We're talking about 15,000 employees. It's not big by any standards, in, in particular, you know, Southeast Asian standards. Uh, but uh, it's, it's an impressive number of employees, right? 10, 15,000 people able to approach strategy and to approach um, innovation in, in such a way. I think they were, uh, they were pretty good. And um, testament to that is the fact that in 2020, they won the award for the most innovative company in Norway. And uh, that carries some weight, obviously. Norway and Norwegian companies are very um, innovation savvy and it's a very digital economy. Uh, Winning an award like that there means that you're probably doing something better or better than the majority. I I think that's so cool how you say that, like... um... If something doesn't work, um, it's not necessarily the time to point the finger or like, you know, it, it's wrong or or it's just saying it's not right for the market. Does that mean like perhaps and a lot of these things really is about timing as, as well, isn't it? Uh, in terms of like, is 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 the environment ready for it? Um, so would you say then the, these these strategies, do you think they're not totally trash, but they're like they're kind of kept aside? We never like, we, we we never discontinued something entirely. We just uh, we just moved it from the thesis to the antithesis for the next planning cycle, which was essentially six to eight months. In six to eight months, we were revising everything, and we might bring uh, stuff back up. Like uh, for us, like one of the big things, just to give you a very clear example, and I'm sure the listeners will benefit from this as well. Uh, one of the things that we experimented on uh, back then, this is like an example from 2018, uh, was uh, banking for wearable devices. Um, wearable devices were starting like to become more accepted in the market. And by wearable devices, I mean smartwatches, Fitbit bands, and other similars. Uh, the rings and the banks started thinking about okay, how do we enable banking on those on those devices? And they started investing in hardware and software at the same time, only to realize that people, in particular in their geographies, in particular in, in Scandinavia, uh, were not yet interested in that. Were not yet interested in having their credit cards connected to a wristband. And uh, what they've actually ended up doing is they discontinued the the whole topic. They moved it to the antithesis, right? Mm-hmm. They said, we're not going to invest in that. Now, looking looking in hindsight, looking back, you would say, well, but now we have credit cards connected to your Apple Watch yeah, and, and yeah, stuff like yeah. this, right? I was just thinking just that. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking just that. Things change. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So things have changed. What happened is that the idea resurfaced again, the topic resurfaced again, but based on the input that the bank got through investing in those early stage ideas that didn't work out, they, the, the topic came back differently. Instead of saying, we are going to build our own infrastructure, they said, how can we enable our cards to work on the Apple Play, Pay and the Google Pay um, ecosystems? So instead of becoming a hardware manufacturer, combining hardware with software, they said, let's just enable our existing banking products to work on other people's platforms. 
Um, again, this was a, they were able to do that based on the evidence that they got early stage. Spotted, we never killed an we never killed a topic. We essentially just put it on the back burner or put it in put it in on the shelf mm-hmm. for the next planning cycle. Mm-hmm. And I remember the the CEO of retail banking. Uh, we were in a very heated debate. Um, there were a lot of people around the table. A very heated debate about some topics. And she stood up and said, "Hey, you know what? Enough with the conversation. If we only have to agree to this for the next six to eight months, I'm happy. Let's just keep." Some topics on the things that we're going to do, other topics on the things we're not going to do. It's only for six months. Let's aim for speed rather mm. than taking the perfect decision. Mm. I, I think that's that's really well said. Um, then then comes the, the issue of measuring corporate performance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a big challenge. Um, what is the biggest thing? Do you think that's that's um, the companies ha- face when they 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 need or attempt to to measure their performance? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's why I wrote this, this second yeah. book, right? <laughs> innovation accounting. It's a it's a very important topic. How do we measure um, innovation performance within uh, within companies? Uh, it was a chapter in the corporate startup, but people were so interested in that. And again putting on my engineer hat, I was very interested in that as well. And uh, that's why uh, the, the title of the second book is Innovation Accounting. And we're looking squarely at how do we measure uh, innovation performance. Now, uh, to your question, uh, the challenge is, uh, is multiple fold here. On the one hand, uh, the biggest challenge is the fact that our standard accounting systems are definitely not suited for innovation because they emphasize where they need financial results. With innovation, you barely have financial results in the first six months, one year, sometimes even longer than that. And uh, the financial results that you have are usually negative. So you have a big minus in front, meaning that you're, you're at a loss, right? This might not sound as news, to me or you or people that are listening and they have been on the entrepreneurial path. But for people that are in large organizations, uh, especially at the um, higher levels of the organization, yes, it might not sound as new to them either, but they are very reluctant to invest in something that is not profitable from day one. Um, I think that's probably one of the uh, one of the biggest challenges. But uh, these are challenges that were faced by companies the world over. Tesla, for example, or Amazon, or FedEx, uh, they haven't been profitable for at least the first five years of their existence. So look at them now. Look at them in the first five years. It it was difficult back then when they started off to say yes, Amazon is going to be an amazing success or. Tesla is going to be an amazing success. But investors, by using different types of measuring instruments, they were able to spot the gold, if you want, in those ideas. They were able to spot the gold in in that particular vision. This is why it's important for organizations of any size to essentially have another system of measuring that allows them to spot the gold into early stage ideas, into new things that they are bringing to market in the absence of financial results. Again, very important, in the absence of financial results. 
That's scary, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> for for <yes>. accountants. <laughs> <laughs> they they need to they need to work together with the innovation teams. It's it's no longer um, a world where we have us yeah. versus them. Yeah, and, and 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 let's get into it because let's get into your book, um, innovation accounting. It seems as if it just doesn't go. <laughs> no to accountants out there um but i'm just saying you know like uh you know how, how what do you mean by innovation accounting um what uh what do you want to say in in your book yeah so basically the book as i said is looking at creating a complementary system for performance measurement that works in tandem with financial accounting we are not there to replace financial accounting. We never propose that. We say it, I think, in the first five pages of the book. Um, <laughs> five pages. We, that's yeah, that's yeah. a significant amount of, <laughs> of space. Of pages, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to say the first page, but I know that maybe somebody will check. <laughs> so I don't remember if we said it in the first in the first page, but it's definitely at the beginning of the book where okay. where okay. where we where we say specifically. Um, that innovation accounting is not about replacing financial accounting. That's not the aim. We never wanted that. Uh, what we wanted is to build a complementary system. Uh, by a complementary system, we need a system that's able to uh, be good and to show progress of innovation teams to work where the financial accounting system can't. If financial accounting system can't tell me anything about the potential of an idea because there's obviously no financial data, innovation accounting should be able to, to do that. Uh, again, they work in tandem. You can, consider, you can consider the following example. Let's say we together start an idea tomorrow. For the first three months, six months, one year, we're going to use you know, the innovation accounting system to report the progress of our idea. Uh, either internally or externally or to managers or to investors, regard, regardless to who do we, we talk to. And then once we start getting revenue, once we start becoming uh, at least cash flow, flow positive, uh, we are going to start using financial accounting to report our, our progress. So these systems contribute each other. Where financial accounting is very powerful, usually... Um, innovation accounting is not that powerful and vice versa where innovation accounting is very useful financial accounting is going to be terrible now the book presents a series of indicators structured on three layers from team to portfolio and all the way to the strategic uh, layer of your organization plus consider also culture and capability development indicators and then uh explaining how things interconnect and what are some things that um uh, you know, organizations need to need to have an eye out for when they try to measure innovation. Oh, you know, with, with that in mind, um, you know, when you talk about digital transformation, it, you know, it's everyone is transforming right now. Uh, but with the things that have happened around the world, um, what do you think is the main thing that companies need to focus on right now in the environment that we're in? I think the most important, again, I. Um, this question uh, has uh, very many avenues, if you want, right? Uh, depending on the industry that you're in, depending on how profitable your organization is, how much cash flow you have, how many reserves do you have, the assets and the type of assets that you have, 
the geography you are located in versus the geography you want to go to. Uh, all these things um, come come at play, right? Uh, we can't compare an airline company in the U.S. with an insurance company in Southeast Asia. It, they're they're totally different, and they need to focus on different things. Um, but I would say there is one underlying theme that works cross border, cross industries, very industry agnostic, if you want, uh, and that is to build uh, capability on the one hand. Mm-hmm. and build a system. It's very important to have that system thinking. And once you build a system, it's very easy to point it to do topic A, topic B, topic C. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, really focus still on um, you know, solutions. Let's just build that one project. Let's just uh, expand to that geography. Let's just digitize this one process. Mm. Uh, instead of looking at let's build the capability so no matter what's going to happen in the world in the future, we are able to change and we are able to, to respond properly and in a timely manner. Um, I think, you know, if we take examples from, from disciplines like, like sports, we don't know exactly what the team that we are opposing in this game is going to, uh, you know, play what their tactics are going to be, um, what's going to happen during the game. But what's important is that we build our own system on how do we play the game and Mm. we train on that system. So no matter what opponent we have in front of you, we're still going to play our game and Mm. we're going to hopefully win by playing that particular game. Again, the emphasis here is not on playing the opponent, but building a system and teaching that system within your team. It's the same, it's the same principle in business. Organizations should emphasize the importance of capability development and system thinking. So no matter what the challenges of the future are going to be, they are equipped, they are prepared to, to, ta- to tackle those. Arm yourself, arm yourself yeah. properly. Um, but you know, there all, are, are always mistakes. That are made you know you need to make mistakes what what are the common mistakes you've seen so far and 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 the solutions that you've seen that have been innovative in in solving those problems like just you know some or few a few <laughs> we I don't have time for all of them <laughs> there's a lot of mistakes made out there <laughs> um I think that um, one of the biggest mistakes, um, a couple of mistakes that I've seen being uh, recurrent, if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, people were investing in, uh, in innovation and in digital transformation to the same extent without a very clear innovation or digital strategy. Uh, they, they started on, on the investment journey. Um, you know, they were just reading tech sauce and tech crunch and <laughs> other great journals out there uh, describing new ideas, describing new technology, then said, I want to have that without considering what is their core business strategy, how will that react to that particular investment? Do we have an innovation slash digital strategy? That's that's a recurrent theme. And um, many times we've been working with clients to come and fix the innovation strategy. But unfortunately, uh, for some of them, uh, this was happening after some investments, some heavy investments were made. Uh, 
mm-hmm. only to realize that, hey, in the light of the strategy, those investments shouldn't have been made. Um, I think that's uh, that's one of a recurrent um, recurrent theme, if you want. Another one, which is probably very counterintuitive, and it will definitely sound counterintuitive now on the podcast, is that um, large organizations tend to chase unicorns, unfortunately, uh, meaning totally. that they invest in uh, they invest in uh, in ideas internally that are very very big. Uh, like they want to build the next Airbnb, they want to build the next PayPal, they want to build the next whatever Tesla, right? They, uh, whenever they refer to innovation, they refer to these big, big ideas that are going to offer 20x return, 50x return, 100x return. Um, you know, investors call them those unicorns. Instead mm. of focusing on uh, we call them in the innovation accounting book workhorses, essentially ideas that are not that sexy on paper, uh, are not that sexy in a PowerPoint presentation, but they offer 2x, 3x, 5x return, um, considerably more than the core business, but they're not going to be the poster child of the company anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can be very profitable if you invest in that middle part of, of the innovation spectrum, these workhorses, because on the one hand, the workhorses offer reliable um, returns. They are easier to manage than the unicorns. There's less uncertainty than in, in the case of a unicorn. And uh, your organization is definitely more equipped to handle those in terms of capability, culture, processes, way of work. Uh, you are not that well suited to pursue a unicorn, but you are more suited to pursue these workhorses. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations, whenever they talk about innovation and they invest in the labs and and whatever, they invest in these unicorns. Recently, I had a conversation with somebody at Starbucks um, in in the US and uh, Mm -hmm. they had a lab and um, they were chasing early on a lot of unicorns. Now, some of those unicorns are now making it to the market, but it took seven to 10 years for that to happen. Well, Mm. in seven to 10 years time, you have enough power and enough time to actually build several workforces, ideas that don't have a big embedded risk and ideas that offer a, uh, a a sustainable return, as I said, three to five acts. So my advice to the listeners and my advice to actually to all the companies we work with is let's do innovation that, uh, you know, it's definitely going to deliver results. We can do breakthrough innovation. We can do disruptive innovation, but let's not bet the future of the company. And let's not bet the profitability of the company on just those unicorns. Those might, those might happen. Those might not happen. Look at the venture capital companies in the world. They are not profitable because they've invested in Airbnb or in Facebook or in Twitter or in PayPal or in like all these cool startups that we all love and and when we use every day almost. Um, They are profitable. These venture capital companies are profitable because year after year, they invest in startups that you and me will never hear about. But they are probably very good at solving this one problem for this one customer segment in this one industry. 
very, very profitable there. Are we going to hear about it? Is there going to be a book written about them or a case study or, um, you know? No, well, now we're doing it now. We're giving them credit, the workhorses. They need exactly. some praise. They need exactly. some praise. Exactly. Okay. So this is how VCs <laughs> are profitable. Let's just replicate that. Honor the workhorse. What do you think about the status then of the innovation in, that you're seeing in companies in Southeast Asia? I know, you know, you haven't probably come to our area, but, but you're coming soon for our summit. Uh, but, you know, you've, you've worked uh, with the, an economic aid program of the Finnish Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Vietnam in designing a nationwide business acceleration program. And, and has supported the capability of uh, development activities. I mean, so I'm sure you have a grasp as to how the status has been for innovation here in the in the area of Southeast Asia. What do you think we're at now? You know, at what point of development are we at now? Um, well, again, I'm probably going to answer this on the back of dated information. Like I used to live there. I used to live in the region for oh, okay. about a year. Yeah, I was working there 2015-2016, and then I had some corporate contracts in the region following 2016 all the way to 17. So all in all, I've been there for about a year and a half, um, living and uh, living and breathing the Southeast Asian, um, you know, air. If you want, I was based in I was based in Vietnam. Okay. Totally, totally different economy, totally different geography, totally different culture than uh, than all the other countries actually in Southeast Asia. I think all the countries are different. You can't compare Thailand with Indonesia mm, and Malaysia yeah. with the Philippines and Vietnam with Cambodia and so on and so forth. Um, what uh, what I know about the region again, it's a it's a region that personally interests me because it's a very dynamic region. Um, what I know for a fact is that uh, unlike um, uh, unlike European companies and Western uh, Western Western world companies, if you want, right, including here uh, the U.S. and Canada as well, uh, is that you are definitely on the forefront of using uh, using digital technologies, stuff that uh, is so easily done with with a mobile app in in Southeast Asia takes a lot of time to do in Europe. Um, organizations that are more digital here in Europe, they a lot of times take inspiration from things that are happening in uh, in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, looking at examples like uh, Peng An, the insurance company in China, again, it's an amazing example of how they were able to tap into AI to simplify a lot of the things that the typical insurance in Europe would take ages to do pen and paper work with like a lot of labor force. Um, however, I think that, um, you know, the, the region needs to be a bit more bold when it comes to innovation, be a bit more, uh, try to find their own voice rather than just waiting on seeing what's the next trend in the U S and then investing in that. Um, I think, I think that's, uh, that, that mindset needs to change. You should like start getting that leadership mindset rather than the fast follower mindset. Uh, if this if this makes sense, I think it is interesting because in the fact that I'm in Thailand and you were in Vietnam, and uh, this is something that Thais have always been talking talking about amongst themselves. Like you need to think not only within the Thai market, you need to think abroad. And it's interesting that other countries, even though we're not, you know, you can't really compare us 100%. Think the same in this region that we kind of have this kind of disease that. Um, you know, we should be proud of of our innovation. Uh, you know that we have, and we should be able to have that confidence to to say that we can do something different. Um, 
I'm running out of time. I can't, I can't believe this. Um, but you know, like we are going to hear more from you at the Texas Global Summit 2022 uh, in August 26 to 27, by the way. He's going to be at the corporate innovation uh, stage on the 26th, if you're interested. Um, tell us, can you tease a little bit about, you know, what would you're bringing to the kingdom and uh, to our event sure. after so long of not having it, you know, we're so excited to have a speaker like you to come. I'm very excited about being there, to be honest. Texas has always been like one of those conferences I always wanted to speak at. And mm. uh, now finally dream coming true. Um, well, I, we're still working on the on the topic, but I can what I can uh, definitely tell you is that it's going to be an interactive session, and uh, it's going to be very engaging. We are definitely going to look uh, into things such as how do we measure innovation and how do we build systems for innovation. That's what I can definitely promise. Now, the exact topic, as I said, we are working on it, and um, again, I'm looking forward to seeing most of you, if not all of you at the event, and I'm sure we're going to have a great time and learn a bunch from each other. Well, in the meantime, if you want a copy of his book, Innovation Accounting, um, where, where can we uh, purchase or, or get more information about it? Um, you can just go to innovationaccountingbook.com. That's mm -hmm. our website. And from there, you have links to various outlets that sell it. Uh, Amazon would be the go-to. But there are other bookstores that also offer international shipping. So I don't know if we actually have a partnership with a retailer in Thailand or in Southeast Asia, but definitely check our website. Yeah, All the information are there. And buy a ticket to our summit as well. <laughs> definitely. So we meet in person. Dan, you do not disappoint. Um, I just want to give you the chance to give any last words. I mean, thank you so much for, you know, giving us, you know, real insightful information, you know, from honoring those, uh, you know, um, workhorses to to knowing your own capabilities as a company to leverage innovation and, and you know, you know, all those things, which, by the way, I'll summarize later on in print if, you, if you're... <laughs> Uh, and, and you want to learn or review, we do have a, a printed uh, summary of our, our conversation here. But uh, yeah, any last takeaways for today? What can I say? Uh, continue doing what you're doing, focus on innovation, but be pragmatic about that focus. Be pragmatic in your approach. Don't invest in innovation because it's cool and looks nice on paper and it will stick well on a PowerPoint presentation. Do it for clear purposes and, um, you know, be be pragmatic. That, that will be my advice. Mm, thank you so much, Dan. Um, and we'll see you here in Thailand soon. As for now, this is uh, the latest uh, episode of our Texas Global Podcast. See you next time. Sorika. Sauce, sparking innovative thoughts.